If then you were raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians chapter 3, the first 17 verses, and in it you see something, that we are created by God for God to worship God. Individually, you were created to worship God. But corporately, as the church, we are created to worship God. And we've looked at this. We've been in this series called We Are. And we, we base who we are as Christians, as the church, as a local expression of the body of Christ. We base all of who we are off of who Jesus is. And Jesus is the great I am. God in the flesh come to make, make reconciliation to God possible through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And that's who we are. We're based on him. We've looked at this, going through, kind of recapping where we've been. We've looked back. And we've seen that we are called out, which means the church means the called out ones, the ecclesia, those who have been called out of darkness into marvelous light. We're a family. We're a family should be marked by love. Not only that, we're asking the question, what's a real church? Because we all ask that question, and we see the reformers help us to see what the Bible teaches, is that a true church is one that preaches the, the Word of God, the Bible, also the gospel, which the Word of God contains the gospel, and that is its whole storyline, is the gospel, the good news about Christ, his death, burial, resurrection and coming again. And then we've also seen a church practices the ordinance, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And then we have to ask this question, what is the purpose of the church? And we're going to see and look at two passages, the one I just read, and we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and just flip there. If not, it'll be on the screen in a second. We're going to see that one of the main purposes of the church 
is just to worship God. And that's what we've seen here in Colossians chapter 3. But if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to see it yet again. Paul, in two different letters to two different sets of churches, he mentions, he almost verbatim quotes himself. And if you've ever been in this situation, if you're a parent or a child, you understand this. To repeat yourself is to show emphasis. My son does this thing where he asks me the same question again and again and again. You ever been there? Dad, are we there? Dad, are we there? Hey, Dad, are we there? 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 And I saw something come out of my, I heard something come out of my mouth. I'll turn this thing around, okay? Five more minutes, okay? You're like, where did you get, like, my inner dad rose up out of me, okay? You ever been there? The emphasis, mate, they want to know when you're going to be there. And I'm thinking of this now because many of you traveled for Thanksgiving, okay? And you might know it's like, Dad, are we there? Dad, are we there? Dad, are we there? Dad, are we there? Yes, the six-hour drive's over in five minutes. We're absolutely there. Enjoy yourself, okay? We're going to be in the car. No, you've heard that. And then, as a parent, you may have experienced it this morning. Tom mentioned the, all the trials and tra- travails of getting a kid ready to go. You ever told your kid to put on their shoes? What is their problem? It's not very difficult. Put on your shoes. Put on your shoes. We got to go. Put on your shoes. Please put on your shoes. Please put on. For the love of everything that's good and holy, put on your shoes. Why would you put these on your feet? You will be injured if you don't. People don't want to smell those things. Why do you say it? Because you want to emphasize it. And so two different places, Paul tells the church to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs as a way of worship. And I always see, we've seen it in the Colossians, but I want us to look in Ephesians where Paul says it yet again in Ephesians. And I just threw my notes over fire this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to see in verse 15... Paul says the same thing, almost verbatim. Look carefully, then how you are. This is Ephesians 5, verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he goes and he kind of explains what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything in God the Father and in the, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what does Paul do? He almost directly quotes himself. Not sure which one came first, Ephesians or Colossians, but here's the fact. He repeated himself. So there must be something important. And this is not in the context of an individual. This is in the context of a church. And so a church is supposed to be that place where the word of Christ dwells richly and that we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which separates us from so many different organizations. Because it would be weird to sing everywhere you went. Miss Rhonda works at Wilson Bank and Trust. How odd would it be if you walked in and it was like a musical? You head to the teller. 
I have a deposit to make. And they're like, yeah. And then the, you know, everybody, keep, they get up on their desk like, yeah, play the air guitar, and the band kicks up. It'd be odd. We don't do that. No other place of business unless you're a music teacher, which we have talked about. We have some music teachers or a producer working in the music business. Music is not part of it. It's unusual, and it is very unusual. We spend a great large time of our time together at church singing, but here's the thing. The Lord has called us to be worshipers, and one of the ways we worship is through the Word, obviously, and he mentions that here, especially in Colossians chapter, chapter 3, verse 16. But also we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and these are not supposed to be done individually but corporately. And so here's one of the things he does. He calls us to be worshipers. And one of the purposes of the church, the called out people of God, seen in this local expression here, is to worship God. And one of the ways to worship God, one of the primary ways here, is singing. And I want you to know something. Worship is worth it. It's worth doing. Look with me in verse 15. I want to prove that to you. Verse 15, Paul says, look carefully how you walk. This is not, this is not for you to, this is not about your physical walk or your gait, okay? Now they have like, like software that can analyze your gait and you can actually be detected and, and known if that's you by the way that you walk, okay? Some of us have different ways of walking than others. Like you have a natural gait. That's not what he's talking about here. This is language used to talk about your life. So it's, let's, Look carefully or think carefully, observe carefully how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise. That, that is how you're supposed to live. Not, not because you've been called out in the book of Ephesians has a great explanation of the gospel, so does Colossians. We are supposed to walk because of what Christ has done, because of his resurrection and his resurrection life in us by faith. We are not to walk as people who are unwise, but as, or as people who are wise. And then it goes on and says in verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Okay. I want you to look at your life, believer, and I want you to, to walk as not unwise people, but as wise people. And part of that is making the best use of your time because the days are evil and time is short. That's kind of Im the implication here. The days are evil. There's much to do. There's much good to be done. You've been caught out of darkness into light. So here, you need to make the best use of your time. You only have a finite amount of it. The average lifespan in the United States, anybody want to guess? 82, okay. That's actually in Canada and Japan. Here, I guess we like Big Macs a little too much, okay, and it's 78 years, okay, just a little over 78 years, Okay. This is according to Google, all right? So you can you go and take it up with Google. Did some math. I know you're excited about this. That is, if you live 78 years, that's approximately 28,500 days. That's, going a little further, that's 638,280 hours. Or 40,996,800 minutes. That you live on this earth. Now, you want you to think about this for a second. Of those 28,500 days that we, that we live, if we live to be 78, nine, we'll spend 9,000 of those days asleep. 
9,000, a third of our time laying there like dead people before we croak. That's amazing, isn't it? So now we're only left with two-thirds of that time to do anything with. We have the basic things you need to do. And, and here is the thing. He says the days are evil, so make the best. If you want to be wise, make the best use of your time. Or literally redeem the time. Use, purchase, use your time wisely because it's short and the days are evil and you've been called out of darkness into marvelous light to proclaim his excellencies. The days are evil. You can just see this. My son asked me about this the other day. The news was on. And he comes up to me. He said, Dad, they attacked Egypt, didn't they? Now, he doesn't know who they are. But he says, there was an attack in Egypt. And he said, how many people die? Was it like three or four? And I said, son, no, 300 people are dead. The days are evil. There's much wickedness. There's much good news that we have in these earthen vessels that are perishing. We have to tell this good news. We have so much to do. We have so much light to shed forth because we've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. We were proclaiming His excellencies. We're these people. What are we supposed to do to be wise? The time's running short. And if you think about it, one of the things that drives anxiety in me is if you ever hear a clock ticking. In high school, it seemed like it never end, and it would go in between those times. But now it just seems like it's on Time is going by so quickly. Be foolish, but be wise. And what are you supposed to do? Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. Don't waste your time. Our time is short. Use it to the best of your ability for the glory of God. And here is where he says further on how you are to do that. He says, therefore, don't be foolish. This could be translated. Don't be an imbecile. Don't be an idiot. I tell you, I used to tell people that's one of my life philosophies is don't be an idiot. And I try in every situation to not be an idiot, okay? I fail a lot, ask my wife. But I try not to be an idiot. And I actually have biblical precedents. Don't be an idiot. So you too, if you want to leave with something, don't be an idiot. This is one way you can be trans. Don't be foolish. Don't be an idiot. Don't be an imbecile. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, that could sound real spiritual until it puts some, some teeth on it. You know, we over-spiritualize things a lot of times just to not say anything or do anything. For example, many times we use the cop-out of let's pray about it, which means it's not going to happen. Okay? Usually. Unless you're like, and honestly, unless you set a time a time of prayer, it usually won't happen. Am I right? It might be like five minutes before you zonk out, okay? But that's not that's not usually the case. And we use other things a lot of time. We just got to find out what the will of the Lord is. Well, He revealed a lot of it. He revealed it in the scriptures. And then He first of all, He tells us what the will of the Lord is. Don't the Lord does not want you to be an idiot. He doesn't want you to waste your time, and he shows you how to not do that. Going on in verse 18, this follows. Here is, and here is what the will of the Lord is, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's odd. <laughs> this comes out of nowhere. Don't get drunk. 
Well, he is saying don't make the best use of your time. And the best use of your time is not to overindulge in alcohol. It, it is, and here's the reason why. Because it, you become under its influence and power. It's not saying that, it doesn't say that wine is wrong. It doesn't say that alcohol is wrong. It says what? That to get drunk is wrong. And it's not just about being wrong. It's about it having its power over you. The days are too wicked and time is too short for you to be wasting your time in doing something, getting drunk, that could lead you to other sins and frivolous living. I mean, people don't usually wake up going, who's next to me when they're sober? If you do, you need to go to the doctor immediately. You might have a traumatic brain injury. You, you might regret your decisions you've made, but you've at least made them more clearly when you are not under the control of, of, of wine in a drunk fashion. And the Bible says don't do that. The time is too short to waste your time on all of these sins. There's more sins listed, but don't do this especially. And it could have been related to worship because sometimes, the, sometimes people would drink to a euphoric state to worship the lower G gods of this time. They say, don't follow the age, don't follow the pattern of this world. And to think that alcohol will be your salvation. And you need to look no further than reality TV shows to realize that people worship at the idol of sex and drunkenness. And how does that always end? Really poorly. Really like it becomes Jerry Springer right there in front of you. And then we sometimes we idolize those people and we're like, that's crazy. We watch it. And that is not what you want your life to be about, but we do. And then we, what we ultimately do is end up craving this drama and there's enough drama out there. And so what's the deal? Make the best use of your time. Don't be an idiot. Don't be drunk with wine. But what? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be led, inebriated by the Spirit of God, if you will. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. The, the time is short. Run after him. And here are some of the ways he does that. He talks about it. But be filled with the Spirit. And then what does it say? This is all part of what the will of God is and not being an idiot and not wasting your time. It's this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So here, let me let you get, catch this. Part of what it means to not waste your time and to not be an idiot and to not be unwise is to not get drunk with wine but be filled by the Spirit and to make part of your time those few minutes that are ticking away quickly, those few hours that are ticking away quickly that you need to be plugged in and singing songs with other believers as a part of a church to worship God. And you're thinking, that sounds crazy. The time's ticking. we got to get together and we're going we're gonna to worship, but the time's ticking. There's so much to do. I want you to know, so first off, God fights our battles. Think about all the times in the, in the, in the Old Testament where the battle strategy was ridiculous. 
going to Jericho. All right, here's what you're going to do. Nothing except walk around this wall. <laughs> okay. Then at the end, you're going to blow the horns of worship, and the walls are going to come down. That doesn't sound like a good strategy. Could you imagine if you're watching C-SPAN and we had a general get on there? So right, we're going to tell you about our Afghanistan strategy. We're going to walk around the perimeter of the ISIS fighters and Al-Qaeda. Then on the seventh day, we're going to blare some Chris Tomlin. <laughs> and they're all going to die. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> Calling for help, okay? Get a new general in there. And that's what they did. Do, do, do. Oh, walls down, win. Oh, Lord, think about the day of Pentecost. Jesus gives, gives these guys, his apostles and those in the upper room, he says, give me this thing. Go, go tell the good news to every person, making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Start here. Go everywhere. But before you do, I want you to go wait in an upper room until Pentecost. You imagine that was probably the longest wait of all time. Okay, Jesus gave us all these commands. Also, he was dead, and now he's risen, and then we saw him fly into the sky. Oh, my gosh. It's been a crazy couple of days. Fifty days have passed since the crucifixion, and they're just waiting. They don't know what's happening. Jesus said, wait. So they're waiting. And how, what does the Lord do? He sends a spirit, and then what happens? They get out and preach. None, they're preaching in different languages. None of them knew a different language because they're all like, aren't these people uneducated rednecks? Why are they speaking to us in different language? It would be like <laughs> you going over to McDonald's, and they were like, you know, hola, okay? Or they're saying like something in French or something, and you're like, okay, this is Hartsville McDonald's. That should not be coming out of the, your mouth, okay? These all these different languages. And so that's what's happening. What happened? They're preaching the good news, and people are saved, and 3,000 people come to know the Lord that day, and they baptize them. And it wasn't because they did anything special. It was the people of God, under the power of God, worshiping God. And what happens? The Lord works, in, works while his people worship. Secondly, worship is not a means to an end. It is the end. We are called and created to worship God. And we have two separate situations in which what it means to not waste our time on this earth is to gather together and to worship together, to sing. To, I, want you to, I don't want you to miss this. Verse 19 says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And this goes right against a, a prevailing theory in our culture, especially amongst those who are um, acquainted with the gospel and even maybe have some belief in it, but ultimately are, are unconvinced about the church. And you hear this, well, listen, I can worship anywhere. My God's everywhere. Yes, he is. He's omnipresent. You're right. You got that right. And I just, you know, I haven't seen that right expression of worship in the church that I've, I've been visiting. I, don't, I just don't know. So what I do is, you know, wake up on Sunday morning and I watch a TV preacher and I listen to some songs on the Internet and some worship time and I have that and I'm done. Or I go up and I have my quiet time in the deer stand or whatever you're going to do. Or on the, you know, wherever. And here's the thing. The Bible doesn't say just to sing to the Lord. It says, look in verse 19, 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You can at any moment. In fact, even in this room right now, if you wanted to, you could find the best of the best preacher on a podcast or a YouTube video in seconds. Just Google him. Village Church, Matt Chandler, look him up. John Piper, look him up. You can also do this. You want to hear Hillsong lead worship? You know what you can do? Google Hillsong. You can listen to him sing and worship and all that kind of stuff. I want you to get something. The Bible doesn't say get your YouTube on. The Bible doesn't say sing and worship by yourself, although you should. What does the Bible say to do? To address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So, following the logic of this passage, if you want to be wise and not unwise, and you don't want to waste your time, and you don't want to be an idiot, you need to plug yourself into a local group of believers and address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Wow. I'm not making that up. It's what the book says. And it says to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, psalms are obviously the Old Testament psalms. At this point in, in history, when he's writing that, the Old Testament psalms have been translated from Hebrew into Greek in what we call the Septuagint. And so probably most of them, when they were singing psalms, they were singing either Aramaic or Greek. Also, we got hymns and spiritual songs, which are kind of synonymous with one another. It's hard to differentiate what these words actually mean except for this. The, the psalms come actually out of Scripture. The, the hymns and spiritual songs were written as the Christians under, the, under being inspired by God and His Word when they write these songs of worship that are true to the Scripture, but they're also new compositions. And it goes with the Old Testament and the, the book of Psalms says, Sing the Lord a New Song. And so the idea is we're singing for one another, addressing one another, and we're singing these old songs that are from the Scriptures, and we're singing new songs that the Lord has brought up in our hearts. And many of us, we think old songs were written in the 1800s. And a lot of us would be like, well, let's go back to singing those. You realize that that is 1,800 years at least since these, these songs were written. They're not that... Oh, they're pretty new in the grand scheme of things. The oldest one that's even in the hymn book is only 500 A.D., and that's All Creatures of Our God and King by Francis of Assisi, okay? So we got to get over this, like, thinking, like, back 200 years was old. No, it's insane. The Bible tells us just to sing the Psalms, the inspired words, and then it also tells us to sing new songs. They can't be 200-year new, or they could be fresh off somebody's guitar or piano. But the, the fact is this, that we are supposed to get together and sing and address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So here's our singing doesn't just have to do with your preference, but it has to do with the whole body. So I want you to know something. For most people, this is unusual here, but for most people, to follow Christ, there's a cost to you. And a lot of times, especially in these days, when Paul was writing, to follow Christ was to step out of line with your Jewish family and even to become dead to, the, to many of them. And also step out of paganism if you were a Gentile and you were not going to the same places as your family anymore and you were ostracized and you were different. And so to sing songs of worship about the one true God, it galvanizes and encourages those who are singing around you. Now, listen, I don't know how you sing, 
you might be thinking, if you heard me sing, that's not going to encourage anybody. That's going to discourage everyone. Listen, no matter how bad it is, okay, tonally, it encourages those around you. Because we're affirming and believing these same truths together. Like we sing, what a beautiful name it is. Or I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me. A sinner condemned unclean. Or we sing one, we go way back, and we go Francis of Assisi and all, all creatures of our God and King. And we sing, all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. And we get a glimpse of heaven, the heavenly choir, even in small part, that everything resounds to the glory of God. And these things affirm and they build us up and they make us realize that even though our world seems dark, that there is light and truth and God is working not just in your situation, but he's working in all these situations and our God is big and our God is great and our God is good. And we sing these things and we affirm this to him. And so worship is worthy of our time. It's not a waste of our time. It's something we're commanded to do. It's the way to use our time rightly. And it's important and it involves the word and it involves our singing and it involves a corporate level in which we're singing with one another, we're addressing one another in spiritual songs, but it's also God-directed. Look in verse 19, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And so, this melody that we sing is not supposed to just be words. We sometimes have a sacramental view of worship, which shouldn't be in Protestants, but we do. And it's like, as long as I show up, that means God is going to give me favor and grace. And God is like, I have already shown favor and grace to you in Christ. You don't need religious outward acts to be right with me. But there are means of grace, these things I've given you, like the church and worship and preaching, to experience my grace, to know me more, and to have a relationship and a conversation with me. And it's this, it's this singing of songs together, this worship in the Word. It's part of this, this, this grace. A lot of us think that just because we showed up and we did the stuff, that that equals good. No, that could actually be worse for you. To show up and to engage and to sing from your heart, make humility from your heart to God. All of our praise should be focused towards him. Yes, we address one another, but as we address one another, we are pointing each other towards God, towards the Lord, towards Christ. And everything we do, we're just raising it up. We're saying this is who he is, and we need this because our world is so dark, and the days are evil, and the time is fleeting, and we need this worship to remind us of heaven, to point us towards holiness, to let us commune with God because that's our destination is communing with God. And also, God fights for us in our worship. So we address one another with our singing, but we also we make this melody to the Lord, and he can hear us. Which is, if you think about it, it's amazing. If you were to write a congressman from Hartsville, Tennessee, or a senator from Hartsville, Tennessee, they would likely throw that letter in the garbage. If you want to get in touch with the president, good luck. If you want to get in touch with another country's president, even better luck. But in Hartsville, Tennessee, in a little church 
that used to be a movie theater. God can hear us when we sing to him. And he communes with us. Not because anything good, not because we sing better than anybody else, but because he loves us. And when we sing and make melody to, to him in our hearts, we draw near, he draws near. We pour our heart, making melody from our heart. It, it matters, not the fact that you're singing, but it ma- just that you're singing, but your heart has to be engaged in it. And that's the way not to waste your time. That's the way to make the most of your time. And then it goes on. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it says, singing and making melody. And it's also based on thankfulness. We just had Thanksgiving. We just, many of you, hopefully you had a nice meal with your family, hopefully. What's Thanksgiving supposed to be around? You're celebrating thankfulness, okay? I know it's, there's football and all sorts of good stuff, but really it's supposed to be th- it's celebrating thankfulness to God for what he's given you and your family and everything. We did this thing. Uh, we, wa- we went around the table and said some things we were thankful for. We went ahead and said, all right, it's a given. We're all thankful for Jesus and family, okay, because everybody's going to say Jesus and family because that's important, and that should be the top two things on your list, okay? So we went and said, put those aside, and we said, what else are you thankful for? It was really neat to see the Thanksgiving that was going on in the, the little, in, at, the, at the cabin where we were. And I want you to think this, that, that our worship service and everything we do is about the praise of God and thankfulness in our hearts to God through Jesus Christ. So everything in our worship should be focused on what Christ has done. That is the source of all our thankfulness. Oh, if you think about it, we have so much to be thankful for. I'm not good by myself. I have nothing good in me that is lovely towards God. In fact, even in my goodness, I show that I don't worship Him like I ought to. Because I can be good for a second show I have a capacity for it, and then wicked, and show that I am dishonoring God. And in my sin, before the world began, God made a plan in which he would call out those who trust in him from darkness into light. And he executed that plan 2,000 years ago on Calvary's hill. And Jesus died, not deserving to die as a criminal, because he was sinless. And every way I failed and you failed, he succeeded. And he hung there, not because he had to, because he had all power, because he was God in the flesh, and he could have called down angels to remove him from the cross. But in full submission to the Father, he hung on the cross, and he bled, and he shed the perfect, most perfect blood that was ever on the face of the planet. And as it, ro- as it rolled down the Calvary's cross... He was paying for sins, past, present, and future for all who would believe. And then in victory, he rose from that grave, and he's ascended, and he's coming. And I have no purpose. I have no reason to think that any of that was due to me. I have rebelled against him. But in his grace, he's brought the gospel near to me through preachers who preached to me. And I repented and believed, and he gave me all that was a gift of his grace. And now, because of that, I am my heart is filled with thankfulness because I deserve nothing yet. He gave me everything. Now, my sins, which were scarlet, 
are white as snow. Now, my, my, the purpose for my life was hell and destruction, and now it's the kingdom of God. I once had no father but the devil. Now God is my father, and I'm a part of the family of God. I once had no inheritance but destruction. And now I'm a part of the family, and I inherit the family house, and I'm with the Lord. That is the reason for our thankfulness. We have so much, and even if everything went away from us and we were left destitute, penniless, no family, he would still be there for us, and we have a home eternal through Jesus Christ. It's sure, as sure as he's raised, we have that, and that is the source of our thankfulness. So when we come together, it's not about us or singing songs we like, heaven forbid. It's about Jesus who came, and he paid the price. And our hearts should overflow with thankfulness. And a lot of times we don't see how great a Savior we have because we think too highly of ourselves. We think that we have some good to offer, but we have nothing. And so Paul says we sing together about our great God. We sing to him making melody from a a deep place of worship in our hearts. And this is a profound sin of a profound sense of thankfulness to God the Father through Jesus Christ as the Spirit works in us. And this is how not to waste time. To do what is wise and good. It's so good for us to be together and worship together. It's not a waste of your time. It's what you're created to do. And we want to foster a place where every Sunday we do what Psalm 62.8 says. We trust in Him at all times and we pour out our hearts before Him because God is our refuge. We pour out our hearts before Him. All the, 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 all the songs and the psalms in the Bible, they go from the heights of joy to the depths of sorrow and everywhere in between. How long are you going to let me be in this pain? How long are you going to let my enemies come? To, yes, you, you've delivered me. All of these things are there, and we want to be this place. When we come together to worship, we sing these psalms and hymns that come from the Scriptures, and we sing them out, and we sing these new songs, and we sing these old songs, and we sing these songs to God, and we worship, and we encourage and, and, and address one another, and we sing to the Lord, and we sing with a profound sense of, thankful, a sense of thankfulness for Christ. And as we do that, we're just pouring out our heart before him my brother-in-law has a ministry in Haiti called Triumph Community Ministries and they're trying to get it off the ground and in in Haiti they've got not only do they have spiritual problems they have a lot of social problems and economic problems and political problems they have a lot of problems okay (laughs) let's put it that way and one of the things he's trying to do is have a Christian based community center in Pion Haiti in which people can come and gather and they can get basic life skills, but all of it being pointed towards the gospel and getting people in, plugged into churches in relationship with Christ. And so they've, they've got this, this huge, huge goal of raising $250,000 to try to put this center into place, which is a big community center and some village housing, and it's a pretty huge task. And we were talking about it this week while I was at Thanksgiving, and just telling their heart. And he showed me this video. 
this video is they have dug a well. And water's hard to come by there. Do you know how you get water in Haiti? You have to go to the river and draw it. And the river is used for everything. You want to wash your dishes? There's the river. You go to the bathroom? There's the river. You want to bathe? There's the river. It's not always the most sanitary, healthy place to be. In fact, it causes lots of problems. And so they had, the money was given, God ordained it, worked it out so that they could build this well. And so they found, they got the guy with the divining rod. They did it old school. They had the divining rod. They got the guy, and it went down. And then they, they dug the well down there. And then the well needed power. So they finally got a new generator from the Home Depot, okay? And so they had to send it over. I don't know why. You just needed to know that. And so they brought it over. And in the video, you hear the guy over there, crank, crank, crank. That's the generator sound. And so it, it opened up, and it started pumping. Started pumping, and before you knew it, out of the pipe that was in frame, water started spewing out in the middle of nowhere in this dry, arid place in Haiti. It's July, it's 10 trillion degrees, and this water starts coming out of this desolate place. And I wanted to have the video for you. I'm going to have to show it to you sometime. But there is this elation that just hits everyone. Woo! <laughs> like, I just never thought, like, it's like, it's like you go in your house to turn on the tap. You're like, look at that! Look at it! It's coming out! And that's exactly what they're like, oh my gosh, there's no water! And so they run in there, and my, my, the phone's jumping up and down because my brother-in-law has it, and he's just going, praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! And his Haitian accent yelling, praise the Lord! He can't hardly see anything that's happening. And then they all run into the water, and they let it run over them, and they're like, yes, yes, yes! We have water! And it's so refreshing because you can tell it's hot. It looks hot. You've ever seen those pictures or video or looked outside, and you're like, it just looks hot. It looks like it looks like Georgia in the summer. That's the reason the devil went down there, right? It's so hot. And they're hitting this water, and there's this refreshment and this praise to God because out of this dry, barren place comes water. And I want to encourage you to think about corporate worship together like that. Yes, worship on your own. Absolutely. It's part of your personal discipleship. But you need to be a part of a family, singing, hearing the word taught, making melody in our hearts to God and a thankfulness, because God has set up for us glimpses of heaven when we worship together, in which the Spirit of God moves through his people and his word and we get refreshment from him and we get to do what the psalmist says is pour out our hearts before him what what is the other psalm it's one of the, you probably know this one from singing it's become it was one of those praise courses in the 90 as a deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you in a dry and weary land where there is no water, what does the psalmist want more than anything to refresh his soul is this presence and spirit of God. That was made for corporate worship. That's why it's in the book. Man, I'm dry spiritually. Well, how do you come to worship? You come ready? Do you come like having worship pre- beforehand? 
Do you come like prayed up? Do you come in the spirit? Do you come reading the scriptures? You just show up and say, do something for me. Hit me with Jesus. Spray me down. Or do you come and you sing, make melody, and then the spirit of God moves amongst his people? I don't know about you, but I had enough of dry religion because I have tasted and seen the work of the Spirit through His Word and through His people. Oh, what, what difference would it make is if our times of corporate worship were like that well, cranked up, fully flowing, the Spirit moving, and we pouring out our hearts in praise as the Spirit ministers, ministers to us through His people and His Word, that this becomes this, this white-hot place for the worship of King Jesus, a place that you just can't wait to get to, a place where you can pour out your heart before Him and you can take all your sorrows and your shame and you lay them there. You sing, believe, and even though it's not a reality in your life yet, well, I was messed up. Totally messed up. But your promises are more true than my messed up situation. You just pour out your heart. I believe. Believe. You, that's you. You promised. You accomplished it on the cross. You're coming. You, all your promises are true. Yes and amen. And oh, what a difference that would make. And so here's how I want us to end. I'm going to call Amy and Clint back up. And I want us to do something for a second. We're giving ourselves time in this, this sermon series to let the Spirit move through His Word. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Take a moment. As they get ready to pray, bow your heads. And when they start singing, let's stand together. We're going to rise up and worship together. Let the Lord speak to you. Give Him your praise. It is right and good and not a waste of your time. Take a moment. Bow your heads, close your eyes, pray. And Clinton, them start singing. Let's sing together.
Help us to be worshipers. Help make this place, God, a place that we worship you in spirit and in truth, that we address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to you. And we'll always be thankful to you, God the Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not be drunk with wine, Lord, but let us be filled with the Spirit. Move us to not waste our time and to be part of this worship. Help, help us be a church full of worshipers. You're good to us. And Lord, as, the, as we're about to collect this offering, I pray you use every bit of it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This time, you be seated. We're going to invite our offering team to come forward and uh, pass out the offering. And as we do that, um, we've got a few announcements uh, to make. As many of you know, we do Christmas. Um, we do essential boxes for those who are a part of our food ministry. We Every, every month we feed um, 30 families twice. And so um, that's a cool ministry that we have going on. We just did Thanksgiving boxes last week, right before th- last Sunday before Thanksgiving. That was a great blessing, and so many of you stayed after to help us get those together last Sunday. It was awesome. We have some. We're going to do some essential boxes coming up, which is like you know toiletry, basic toiletry items and laundry items. And if you want to be a part of that, you can actually help make the boxes when time comes at the end of December. However, before that, we need you to bring in some of these items, okay? Um, I think there's a list in the back, right, Sharon? There's a list on the back table back there of what you can bring. But if you think about it, just toiletries uh, or laundry stuff, like, you know, um, dryer sheets and stuff like that, it'll be a blessing to these folks, and it's a way that we can show tangibly the love of Christ to our community. So I want to make sure you know about that. Also, if you're a lady between the ages of 12 and 
whenever. Okay, we won't make you divulge your age. There's a paint party happening on the 30th. The cost is $35. Um, Nita, if you would, raise your hand. In the back back there is Miss Anita. She needs the money today. If you're going to do it, she needs the $35 today, and she needs you to make a choice of what you'll be painting. There is a deer. It says something. Bright and merry or something. Okay. And then there is a nativity scene. They're both awesome, and the lady's coming to do it, Miss Regina. She did uh, something for our lift conference. She's great. It'll be a great thing. It'll be a great way to fellowship. Ladies, this is an impromptu. This kind of happened the last couple of weeks, and so everybody was like, let's do one, and so they're doing one. If you want to see her, see her right after. I need to raise your hand one more time. Look back there. There's Anita. She's awesome. And let's, so see her. Get that going on. Um, we got a, a lot of lot more things coming up. Um, we're going to do a baptism, uh, hopefully December the 10th, and so if there's anybody out here that, that needs, needs, uh, wants to follow the Lord in baptism, come see an elder. Or if you want to talk, connect with the connection cards, or just come up and see one of the elders. We'll be at down the front as soon as the service is over. We love you guys. Let's stand, and we're going to be dismissed with these words. This is a psalm that's been on my heart. We've mentioned it in the sermon, Psalm 62.8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Go in his grace. You're dismissed. Take a filthy wretch like this and wrap him up in.